are in at the end four-part series on goals. So it's January, no surprise to anybody, we're talking about goals. Um, we're doing it a little uniquely um, here at High Point Church. Um, but just to, to start off, I, like you, made a couple goals at the beginning of the year. One was to lose about 15 pounds, okay? Christmas, I, hey, I just went a little wild. Christmas was happy. There was a lot of food. And, you know, I, I might have, you know, put, a, put an extra love handle on. Um, so, thank you. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Um, so, 15 pounds. So, that's, that's, that's there. Anybody else make weight goals? Weight goals? Okay. Yeah, a couple. Okay, then I, I, I thought, okay, I'm making, you know, a, a natural kind of weight goal. I should make a spiritual goal. So, that was to read my Bible more. Anybody else read your Bible more? Yeah. Okay. And was to help my kids learn more about the Bible. That was a huge one for me because I feel like, I feel like, you know, we have been a little, even though we're pastors and have been pastoring for 20 years, I feel like we've been a little lax in this area um, in, in, our, in our household. So we, I've started the Purple Book with my kids. We're starting to do a little more devotional time, you know, during the dinner time. But that's a, a high goal for, for us. Um, but when I think about goals, we sing about the most important goals that, we, that every one of us should have is to be filled with the, the Spirit of God that it would fill us up and overflow out of us, right? Living water, that, that we would grow closer to God, that we would know him more, and that we would make him known, right? That we would know him in a more intimate way, that we would, you know, experience him more fully, that he would stir our spirits and overflow from our lives, and that because he is in us and empowering us and doing great things through us, other people's lives would be impacted. Any, is that what anybody wants yourself? That's what I want more desperately than anything else is that God would move in my life and it would touch the lives around me, especially those that I'm closest with and that are most important to me, that they would be touched by the goodness and the love of God, not by whatever I have to offer, but by the spirit and the goodness and the love of God to those around us. So that's, that's what we're talking about here at High Point. When we talk about goals for this year, we're talking about the big goal of being a disciple and impacting people's lives. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever made a goal or been kind of at work or somewhere handed a project or goal that was so big and so just large that you didn't know how you could possibly accomplish it? Most of us can identify with that. If you can't identify with that, think about this. Just imagine that somebody said, Amy, Stephen, here's what I want you to do. Take the next five years on your own, build a rocket that will take you to the moon and back. Okay? If somebody actually said that and they were serious, what would, how would your response be? Or to think about the goal that we, we talked about earlier that might have been too big that you had already gotten. What would your natural response be? 
you would laugh or it'd be, you'd be like, what? What if your life depended on it? You get depressed. You get down. You would become paralyzed. You would feel doubt. You would feel, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is way too big. I cannot do this. Impossible. And you wouldn't even start it. You would give up before you even started, right? It's just way too big. Impossible. You wouldn't even try. That's why management and leadership gurus tell you to make what is called SMART goals. Anybody heard of SMART goals before? Yeah? SMART goals are great. Now, I'm going to tell them myself. I wrote down the acronym because sometimes I, I forget things. I was driving in the car the other day with, with Ava. We were talking about SMART goals. I, I have the most interesting conversations driving the car with Ava. We talk about theology. We talk about goals. We talk about all kinds of stuff. It's fun. But we were talking about SMART goals, and I was, I was starting to list off what they were, and I got to, I think, like, achievable. I'm like, hey, what was the A? And she, she starts making fun of me. She's like, oh, you don't, you know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, hold on a second. But here's SMART, specific, right? It needs to be specific, measurable, okay? We need to be able to measure them, achievable. We need to be able to achieve them. Going, building yourself a rocket to the moon is unachievable. It's a done deal. You can't do it. Relevant. Needs to be relevant. Needs to be something that um, is reasonable, realistic, something that, in, that impacts you and your desire. It needs to be time-bound, something that you could say, okay, I'm going to be done by this. That is, those are great things to have. We should all have SMART goals for our life, right? We should all, all you know, think to ourselves, hey, I want to be here eventually. These are the things I need to do to get there and create some goals that, that are SMART. But other leadership gurus and some of the same say we also need wildly important goals, huge goals, big goals that will motivate us and cause us to wake up in the morning and say, yeah, I, I'm going to just, you know, change the world. I'm going to do great things. I want to be part of something that's huge, that's big, that's, that's, you know, goes way beyond myself. So smart goals are things that attain to you. Big, wild goals are things that attain to something beyond yourself. Today, we are talking about the most important wig, wildly important goal. Wig, you like that? Okay, we're talking about the most important wig of all time. This is wild, and it is crazy important. And, and, Jesus is the one who set this goal a couple thousand years for, ago for us, and it has, has not changed, and it is still as crazy and as wild as it was when he gave it to the disciples. Let's look at Matthew 28. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some still just couldn't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, that he's called them to do great things, that because they had given up all hope. So he's talking to the 11, and just context, he's talking to the 11 we just, we just read. When Jesus came to them, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now this is the wildest, craziest goal of all time. He's talking to these 11 guys who've been hanging out with him for a few years, who before this were fishermen, tax collectors, not the, the, in the sense of religious institutions, the cream of the crop. And he is saying, you guys, here's my plan, okay? You 11, take what I have given you and spread it to the ends of the earth. All right? You go do that. What? I mean, that's like build me a rocket that can take me to the moon. You know, I mean, no. That, it's too crazy. It's too big. It's too wildly big. And then do this, just for fun. Take out the first line and the last line. Take out where Jesus says, all authority and power has been given to me. And take out, I am surely with you to the ends of the age. Okay? Take those things out. Add in. Oh, and by the way, you 11, only one of you will not be martyred. The rest of you are going to be killed for doing what I'm asking you to do. One of you hung upside down. Others dismembered. It's just going to, it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be dangerous. You're, you're going to be persecuted and made fun of. And eventually, it's going to cost you your life. Okay? Now, good luck. Go on. Have fun. Go do it. Spread this. Great message to the ends of the earth, okay? Right, no. Luckily, those two lines were in there, and this is what makes this wild, crazy, huge goal possible, is that Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. I am God, and I am giving you what has been given to me so that you can go to the ends of the earth and share what I have done and see lives transformed in the gospel and disciples made over and over and over. Disciples making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. That was God's plan. But he didn't just leave them alone to do it. He gave, he said, I'm giving you the authority I have. It's yours. And I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. If you're going to the end of the earth, I'm going to the end of the earth with you. That's what makes it possible. That's what makes this crazy thing that we call Christianity, you know, the spreading the good news, making disciples, sharing our faith, even possible. That God is with us and he has empowered us to do this. You know, because... Many people in the church today don't fully embrace this. I think we all have heard, heard this, right? You've heard Jesus say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You've heard that he's going to be with you. you. You know that he said he'd never leave you or forsake you. You've heard the, the, the stories in Acts probably where the, the spirit fell on, on the, the, the disciples who were waiting and the, the word spread. You've heard that. But so often we don't embrace that fully. We don't realize that it's not us. 
It's God. It's God in us who is the hope of glory. It's God in us who can do all things. It's God through us that touches and, and you know, transforms lives. It's the, the spirit in us flowing out of us that, that we're able to love people who are hard to love or that we're able to, 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 to bless our enemies instead of curse them. But so often we don't embrace this fully and that's why this task of talking to, you know, people at, at, at our work, you know, about Jesus is just too big. Or impacting the community around us is just too large. I don't know. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. That's okay. You've got God inside of you. He's empowered you to do it. He's there. He says he'll speak through you. He'll, he, he will come out of you and touch the lives of the people around. We just have to take those steps of faith. He meets us in our steps of faith. He meets us when we step out and we do something that's outside of our comfort zone. John 14, this is Jesus again. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and will do even greater things than these because I go to be with the Father. That verse to me is so cool and so confusing. Like, what? We will do greater things than Jesus, than God? How is that even possible? But what he's saying is, I'm not only just going to the Father, and we'll see in a second, I, I am coming to live inside of you. It'll be me who does the great works. You can believe me for anything and everything. I think we need, I know I do, as a, as a church, as a people, to believe God for even greater things. You will do even greater things than I have done. Jesus said that. Do we believe it? I know we do. But do we, do we really, deep down, you know, at the core of who we are, believe that? I sometimes doubt. I'm like, one of, I'm like some of those 11 you know, who said, where, where it said that they doubted. I sometimes doubt that. But, and I have seen God heal somebody right in front of me. My back has been healed. You know, I, I, I was sleeping on the floor for a year, and then all of a sudden, God healed it. No longer sleeping on the floor. 100% doing fine. Back in athletics. I've seen people with, with, who come in a wheelchair stand up and walk away. I've seen people who are bound up internally by all kinds of stuff, set free by Jesus' love and goodness. We've all experienced things like that in your own life or in the life of people around us. But sometimes we just forget and we don't believe 100% that God is in us and wants to use us in crazy, wild, important ways. It goes on to say, Whatever you ask in my name, so the Father, I will do, so the Father will be glorified. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you, oh, sorry, did I skip? Yeah, okay, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. 
Why are we able to ask anything in God's name? Because the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, God lives and dwells inside of us, the third person of the Trinity. It goes on to say that I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. One day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's an amazing promise. That, that God chooses to dwell inside of us. That is empowering. That is empowerment. That God lives and dwells in us. We are empowered to do great things. God says that before the earth was even created, he, he thought of you and he, he, he planned good works for you to do. And he didn't leave you just to do them on, on your own. Good luck, you know. No. He empowers you to do them. I think about this. If you could ask anything, what would it be? If you can ask anything, what would it be? You know, going off this verse, it says, ask anything in my name. I think that's important in my name. But if you could ask anything, what would it be? You know, would it, would it be to be the ruler of, you know, your land, Jason Dome? You know, is, is that what it be? Would it be to be filthy rich so that you could do good for God? Of course, I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't be for yourself. It'd be so you can, you know, fund the kingdom. But would it be to be crazy rich? What would it be? And if you could ask God, just think, you know, let's take away the superficial type stuff because we, we all have those. I mean, you're human, right? You, I mean, we all, we all, we all want to be filthy rich um, <laughs> uh, to fund the kingdom. But let's say there's something spiritual, and you can ask anything from God in his name. What would it be? I was talking. We had Kevin and Cassie over last night talking with Kevin, um, and I, I don't know if this would be 100% true. He would say this, but from knowing him and hearing his heart and talking with him, I think for Kevin, plays on, our, on, on the worship team, it would be that the youth's lives would be transformed and that we would see hundreds of youth come to know Jesus out of this church. He recently has put up his hand and said, yeah, I want to volunteer. I want to help with the youth. And now he's really leading the charge here at the church because he's passionate about it. Because he's asking God, hey, I want to see you do great things through me, in me, in this church. He, might, he probably doesn't feel equipped to do it. He probably doesn't feel all ready to, to lead this charge. But he's standing up saying, I can, I, I, I can volunteer. I can allow God to use me. It's not me anyways. It's you. If you can ask anything, what would it be? And here's some, some things to think about. What are you passionate about? What stirs your heart? What do you, when you wake up and go to bed, what are you thinking about? What do you, where's your passions lie? Well, maybe, maybe that's a clue to what God's doing. Another clue maybe to where God's leading you or, or causing you to kind of move towards is what makes you angry in a righteous way? When you, when you look out, what, what kind of stirs your spirit and says, oh, that is just not right. It shouldn't be that way. 
Sometimes God's moving in there that you're going to be a, a part of the solution or part of the, 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 the solution that comes along and says, here's how it should be, a preferred future. But God has called us all, every single one of us, to good works in Christ Jesus. That he has a plan for us to all step out in faith. Look at Acts 1. This kind of brings it home. It says, this is Jesus again, talking with the disciples. It says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time, this is at the end of his life, or after he's risen, about to go to, back to heaven. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who's heard that before? Most of us, lots of us. This was a promise of, of Jesus that he is going to send the, his spirit upon the disciples of that, that, during that time, which happens in, the, in Acts 2, that they should wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them so they can do what? Be really powerful? You know, just, you know, feel really good about themselves or, you know, be real excited and stirred up? Is that what it's for? No. It says, I'm going to send this to you so you can, so that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. He says, just like we read right off the bat in, in Matthew, all authority has been given to me. I'm passing it on to you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I am going to empower you because this task is huge. It's massive. It's impossible for, for just you to do. I'm going to come in you, and I'm going to empower you to change the world. All right, I'm going to make two points today. Here's my first point. As a born-again Christ follower, if you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are empowered, the Scripture says, to make disciples. Full stop. You don't have to know more than you know right now. You don't have to be more equipped, more, you know, you know a better Christian. You don't, you don't need anything more than you have right now to make disciples, to go and to love on somebody, to share the Jesus with somebody, to engage the, commu the community around us. You don't need anything more. You, can, you, you are empowered by God to make disciples. There's definitely more to it than that. But that, that's number one. Number one is to realize if you have said, Right now, if just right now you said, Jesus, I believe in you, in your heart. And you said, I, I, want, I want to live for you. I, I want my life to count. I, I want to be changed and transformed by your spirit. I want that living waters flowing out of me. You know, I want to see people's lives impacted 
by your goodness, by your love, by, you know, your grace and your mercy. That's me. I want that. And that was the first time you said that in your heart. Then you are empowered by God to make disciples, to go and to engage those around you and share with them what God has just done in your life. Actually, the person who is absolute best in engaging people who don't know Jesus is somebody who just met Jesus because their life is changed and transformed and they've got something right there to share because they've just experienced and tasted the goodness of God and how awesome and wonderful he is. Sometimes if you've been a Christian for a lot of years like me, you forget that. And we have to go back to our first love. And remember that God is good, that he changes and transforms us, that he heals us, that he moves in our our spirits, that he is powerful, and that he is calling us to, as Christ followers, to share that with all of those around us. It's not good enough to look around and say, my church is engaging the community. My church is doing Bible studies and establishing people in faith and in the word. My church is equipping people to minister all the time. They're doing, it's amazing what what the church is doing. It's not good enough to look around and see that and say, if everybody, if, if my church is doing it, I'm doing it. I don't have, no, that's not good enough. God has called each, it's a personal goal, and it's a corporate goal. God has called each and every one of us to play our part. He has has put his spirit inside of not just some of us, but every one of us who professes Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he's equipped and empowered every single one of us to make a difference in the people's lives around us. There's nobody who is exempt. That's number one. Number two is that we must, we must, as believers in Jesus, we must be disciples before we can make disciples. Number one is that you are called, you are empowered, and God has already set good works for you. Number two is that we must be before we can make. We must be disciples before we can make disciples. Have you ever seen an apple tree produce oranges? Anybody? I'm just curious, because if you had, that'd be amazing. No, none of us have, right? Apples produce apples. Oranges produce oranges. You know, people who are patient and loving and kind will produce people who are patient, loving, and kind. People who are angry, bitter, and, you know, you know, just all bound up, can they produce people who are patient, loving, and kind? No. That's why we need the Spirit of God inside of us. Because none of us are, can produce all the fruit of the Spirit on our own. It's God in us that comes out of us. The, the patience, the goodness, the love, the kindness of God that we display and reproduce into others. We must be disciples. We must embrace the Spirit. We must embrace what God has done in us and then give that away. We are pointing people to Jesus and to be like Christ. 
Are we perfect? No. No, no, no. I'm messing up all the time. But that doesn't exempt me from making disciples. That doesn't disqualify me from making disciples or pointing people to Jesus or sharing my faith. I was, I I made this transition in my life when I was about 17. I started following Jesus. And and, um, it it was interesting. There was was a, a girl, she's a teenager, who believed what I'm just talking about. This is what she lived and believed. She loved to engage people who didn't know Jesus, befriend them, love on them, and eventually win them over to the Lord. And she did that with me. She, we, played, we played volleyball together for two years. And for those two years, I did not respond at all. I grew up in church, but I didn't want to do anything extra. And I definitely didn't want to be weird. So I said no. She would invite me week after week, at least 50 or 60 times, to come to a Bible study with her. That was put on by these four seniors. It was about 50 students. Um, it was student-led and in high school. And she kept inviting me. I said, no. Kept in, I got better things to do. No. Kept inviting me. Kept engaging. Kept loving on me. Kept playing volleyball and, you know, inviting me to things. And finally, I said, yes. The first time my life was transformed, that's where I really met Jesus. That's where, where my life was changed. And the second week... Um, I met this guy who kind of oversaw the, the thing. He was there this time. And at the end, I was serving. I was, you know, moving couches. I was, you know, picking up, you know, food off the tables, you know, just doing normal stuff, right? He saw that. He didn't know if I'd been a Christian for a little time or a long time. You know, he just saw, here's a guy serving, walked up to me and said, hey, um, next year, do you want to be on the leadership team? I'm like, well, I mean, it's been a week, but yeah, yeah, I want to do that. That sounds good. I, I want to lead. Yes. So over that next year, he just invested in me and three other people, laid foundations, shared what it meant to follow Jesus, equipped us to be able to just share small messages on a Friday, on a Saturday night with other, other students and said, go do it. Go make it happen. He, he also showed us what faith was like. I remember one time we, we um, were just going out after, I think it was to a Burger King, after um, we had a, a little worship meeting. And we go in this place, and we're ordering food. And he just starts talking to the person behind the, the register, you know, saying, saying, hey, and, you know, how's your day, and what's going on, and, you know, it look, looks like you've had a r- little bit of a rough time or whatever. And she starts opening up. Next thing I, we know, she's giving her life to Jesus. Because he just took a moment to share and to ask questions and to just go a little beyond the surface level. And in that moment, I learned more than all the Bible studies. I was just like, wow, it's that easy to tell somebody about Jesus. Even if they didn't get to the point of, like, you know, faith. 
Just taking an interest in somebody is sharing Jesus. Just going that extra step is sharing Jesus. We are all empowered to do that. All right, I'm, go- I'm going over time. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. What does this look like here at High Point Church? What does this look like for you and for me? You know, to, to if you put the, the wheel up, if you, what does it look like? Well, you can take it down. <laughs> What's it look like for us to be empowered? What's it look like for us to, to make a difference in people's lives? What's it look like for us to step out in faith? You know, to be part of something that's bigger, but also individually take, our own, take responsibility for our own part. What's it mean for us to, as Andy is talking about, engage with, with, with the community? What's it mean to be established in word? If you haven't gone through biblical foundations or you haven't, you haven't taken the time to really, you know, um, get deep into the scripture, there's opportunity for you to do that. What's it mean to be equipped to be ministers? We don't want to do the ministry as staff. That's not what that, we want. All of us to be ministers and to do, take ministry into our own hands. How much better is a hundred people ministering than, than 10 or 15 or 20. Average, it's only 20% of the church. Our passion is to empower you, every single one of you, to be ministers. If that's at your home, if that's at your work, if that's serving here or taking a leadership position here. At High Point, there's so many great examples of this happening right now. It's so it's amazing what God is doing. Look at Catherine and Michael. You know, they Michael's only been a Christian a couple of years. He's lead, he's still a student and he's leading a campus ministry. That's empowerment. That's stepping out in faith. That's that's him stepping out of faith saying, "God, show up." Please, because I don't know what I'm doing. I promise you, that's what he's saying. Help, but I'm going to step out. You know, that's Davis, who was up here earlier, who, you know, you think he's only been a Christian just over a year. He's only, he only led a small group one time, a life group here at, at High Point, one time. And now he's our life group coordinator and leader because he said, I'm passionate about this. I want to see, this changed my life. I want to see other people's lives change. Let me be a part of it. Let me be a part. I can, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not fully equipped yet, but how do you become equipped? You do, you step out, you, you, you go for it. But it looks like here, at High Point is that ministry would get out of the hands of the few and into the hands of the many. That, that as a church, we want to take the power and, the, and empower everybody to play a part in this incredible mission that God has given us to change the world, to take the gospel to the nations. And we do that by by literally loving our family. We do that by loving our coworkers, 
may be saying, yeah, I could start a Bible study. We, we have a need for a business men's Bible study and, and women's right in, in where our church offices are. They're asking for it. Who wants to do that? Who would like to lead that? Seriously, who would like to lead that? We, we want you to lead that. There is so much ministry that can be done. And we're looking and, and God is looking and already equipped and empowered you to step out in faith and to do it. Would you stand? We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity not to just know you, which is, there's nothing better, but God to be used by you. Um, Lord, that's where the, the real life and stuff of life comes in, is when, God, you use us in mighty ways, Lord. You use us both in, in simple, practical ways to meet needs, and you use us in crazy ways when you change a life right in front of us. Lord, there's nothing better than to be used by you. Lord, I thank you that you've given us your spirit. Lord, that you have empowered us to, to Lord, take huge steps of faith. God, you say you will be with us in every step that we take. God, I pray that our faith would expand. God, that we would ask for greater things. Lord, that, that we would not be just okay with the church doing things, but we have got to be a part of it. Lord, that living waters would flow out of us. Lord, that we wouldn't be stagnant, but God, that, that, that your spirit would come in and flow out, come in and flow out. Lord, that lives would be transformed in the name of Jesus.